Before we look at what this has to say to us in our 21st century context today, let's just gather around and have a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we praise you this morning for your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, your word that is still relevant, your word which still speaks to us afresh, even in 2020. And Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you have to say to us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that as the preacher, I would be an empty vessel, one who speaks your word, doesn't just speak about you, but speaks for you in boldness, in courage, and in truth. Lord, give us ears to hear and courage to put into action that which it is that you have for us as your church and as your people. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, Amen. And now as we have read the Word of God together, we're going to take some time to explore what God has to say to us as his people, as his church, through it. And I believe that there are four very clear directives, four instructions, four practical pointers which God has for us this morning. And I pray that we'll not have an Akletus situation where you nod off and you fall off your seat, um, but that we will really press in and we will really be encouraged by what and challenged by what God has to say for us. The first one uh, and the first practical pointer which I believe God has for us this morning is the need to serve God. The need to serve God. I wonder what you think of whenever you think of serving God. I think if we're honest, very often the notion or the thought of serving God is something which we reserve for pastors, for paid employees of churches, for missionaries who go off to far off lands. I want to say this morning on the authority of the word of God that each and every one of us is called to service. Each and every one of us, the scripture says, God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. That means you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have believed in your heart and declared with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, then you have been saved. And if you've been saved, that means that you are called to serve God. What does that look like? Well, Paul in verse 19 says of how he served the Lord with all humility. What does it look like for us to serve God in all humility? Well, using Paul as an example, Paul was not always Paul. Paul had previously been known as Saul. You know this from our study, Church Without Walls, that we have been working through over the past wee while. Paul previously was Saul, and Saul persecuted the church. He was hell-bent on making sure that the people of the way, this movement of people who followed after Jesus Christ that was growing at an exponential rate, that this growth was stopped and that the, the whole organisation, the whole movement came to an end. And Paul was on, his, on the road to Damascus to do just this, to persecute the church, to make example of the Christians there, men, women and children. He didn't care who you were. But if you follow Jesus, your time was up. But Paul on that, uh, Saul on that road became Paul. You see, not only did he have a name change, but after an encounter with Jesus Christ, he had a heart change. His life was completely and utterly flipped upside down. 
his life was transformed as he came to Jesus in repentance, as he turned from his sin and turned towards following after Jesus. The very people that he sought to persecute, he now served alongside in the church. And each one of us is called to service. You see, Paul served in humility because he knew what he was like before he met Jesus. And he knew his own sinful tendencies. In other words, he knew his need for a saviour. And that need for a saviour drew him to humble himself and drew him towards service of God. I wonder today, do you recognise the need for you to serve God? To humble yourself before God and recognise that he is God and you are not. I know very often I need to remind myself of these things. I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. I like things to go a certain way. I was sharing at the Bible study on Wednesday evening. I know exactly what way I want McGee and Church of the Nazarene to look. But it's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And we are to humble ourselves before him. And one of the ways that we humble ourselves before him is that we serve him. That we do his bidding. That if he says go, we go. If he says hold back, we hold back. If he says not yet, we say that's okay. I trust you. And this call for us to serve God is wrapped up in this passage of scripture in Matthew 28. We call it the Great Commission. You probably know it off by heart, many of you. But Jesus is speaking to his disciples for the last time before he is taken from them and taken into the heavenly places where right now he sits at the right hand of God the Father praying for you and for me. And he says to them that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. And because of that, in light of that fact, they are to go and they're to make disciples. They're to make disciples of all nations. They're not to pick and choose who, but of all nations, of all people. They're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're to teach them to obey all that he has commanded them. To tell them of the love. To tell them of the miracles. To tell them of their need for repentance. And to remind them yet again of the love that he has for them as he laid down his life to buy back that which was already his. To buy their redemption. And each one of us is called by God. This was not a call that was simply given to the disciples, but a call that's extended to us as the people of God. And as we've already said, he has already prepared in advance good works for us to do. He has. That's you. That's me. God has a specific work for you to do. And I want to encourage you, don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on the work that God has for you to do. For it will be a complete and utter blessing to you. The joy of serving Jesus is that we get to serve Jesus. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Saviour of the world. And he chooses to use people like you and me to serve him. To be his hands 
to be his feet, to go in his name and tell of the love that he has. And service is not something that is reserved for pastors, missionaries, paid employees, but it's a call that is given to each and every single one of those who call themselves Christians, the people of God. It's not always about being upfront. It's not always about leading or serving in different programs. But some very practical examples is that sometimes God might ask you to serve exactly where you are. So if you're a stay-at-home parent today, perhaps one of the greatest things that you can do in service to God is to bring up your child in the knowledge and love of God. Maybe you're called to be a bin man or bin woman, bin lady, I don't know. Maybe your service to God is doing that with all that you have and doing it for his glory. Moses was called by God. He was a mess. He messed up. He messed up big time. He killed a man. Yet God still used him to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Moses, who had a stutter and couldn't speak very well. Moses, who very often made excuses. Yet God said to you, what have you got in your hand? Moses was a shepherd. He worked for his father-in-law, Jethro. And because he was a shepherd, he had a staff. And God did some incredible things with what Moses had in his hand. That staff one day turned into a snake before Pharaoh. That staff touched the water and God parted the Red Sea and let the people of Israel go through. That staff Moses used to hit a rock as instructed by God. And in the desert place, water flowed from the rock that the staff had struck. So what's in your hand? What are you good at? What ways has God gifted you? Maybe you're good at crafting. How could you use this gifting of crafting to serve the Lord? Maybe you're good at cleaning. How could you use this gift of cleaning to um, serve the Lord? Maybe you're good at teaching or you're good at giving advice or you're good at shutting up and listening and letting other people unload their problems on you. How can you use those things to serve God? Maybe you're good at praying. Oh, that, well, that God would raise up another generation of prayer warriors, people who are so committed to the place of prayer. Because prayer changes things. As John Wesley said, prayer is where the action's at. God does nothing but in response to prayer. Maybe you're good at prayer. Maybe you could serve the Lord faithfully through prayer, through praying for others. Whatever you're good at, whatever calling God has placed on your life, whatever you do for a job, whatever it is, hear this quote from uh, G.K. Chesterton, one that I've shared in our own in-person services before. He said that if God calls you to be a missionary, don't stoop to be a king. If God calls you to be a missionary, don't stoop to be a king. 
God called you to be a lawyer. Don't stoop to be a king. God called you to be a teacher. Don't stoop to be a king. God called you to be a stay-at-home mum. Don't stoop to be a king. In other words, whatever God has called you to, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for anything else. Find yourself bang in the will of God. For God has specific work for you to do. Each and every one of us. Each and every one. So serving God. And Paul served God with humility. Second one is that Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, we read, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained, or as some translations say, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. The Holy Spirit, this is the same Spirit that Jesus promised. The Helper, the Advocate, the Guide. The one who sticks closer than a brother. This Holy Spirit is the one who will guide us in truth. The one who will give us the words to speak. The one who reminds us of Jesus' teachings. The one through whom we receive the word of God. And we read about that, the the love of God rather. And we read about that in Romans 5.5. The one who groans for us, expressing that which we cannot express. The one who interprets the prayers of our hearts in the throne room of grace. This Holy Spirit who is our friend, our advocate, our guide. And this very same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would enable us to do even greater things than he did when he was here on the earth. And we see in this verse, in verse 22, that Paul is guided by the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't want to leave Ephesus. Paul doesn't want to leave the people in Ephesus because they very clearly have a close, tight-knit, not only congregation, but relationship as leaders of the church. There is a lot of mutual love there. And Paul doesn't want to leave. But Paul, because of his close and intimate relationship with God, he feels and experiences the prompting of the Spirit. That still small voice. That voice that he can't shake. That as he is in relationship with God, he hears God speak to him through his Spirit. And he knows that in order for Paul to remain within the will of God, and let me tell you from past experiences the will of God is the safest place to be even if it doesn't make sense at the time if Paul is to remain within the will of God he must be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit he must be obedient to that small still still small voice that's speaking to him and Paul knows that he doesn't want to leave He knows that on paper it maybe doesn't even make sense to leave because incredible things are happening in Jesus' name. People's lives are being transformed left, right and centre. He's just raised somebody from the dead in the name of Jesus Christ, for goodness sake. But the Spirit says go. And Paul knows that he can go with confidence because God's not going to fail him. Maybe you feel that the Spirit of God 
is calling you into the unknown just now. I don't pretend to know what that looks like in your circumstance, but I know what it has looked like in the past for me and what it still looks like for me in these days here in East Belfast. But God has never failed to keep his promises. And God is not in the habit of leaving people up the creek without a paddle. Whatever he calls you to, wherever he leads you, he will equip you for every good work that he has prepared for advance in advance for you to do. God is with you until the very end of the age. And a spirit that prompts goes with you. So don't fear. Live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. I wonder today, as we talk about that prompting, do you feel the prompting of the Spirit in your life? Do you feel that God is calling you to do something different or something new? Do you have this feeling in your heart and in your mind that you just cannot shake? I want to tell you today, be obedient to that prompting. As long as it lines up with what's in here, within the word of God, and doesn't contradict it. Because God, by his spirit, would never ask us to do anything contrary to his word. But if you've got that feeling that you just can't shake in your heart and in your mind, follow the prompting. For God is already there. He knows all that lies before you. Be obedient to the call of the Spirit. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll not leave you up the creek without a paddle. Be obedient today as he leads you into the unknown. It's wonderful that we can trust an unknown future to a known God and that we can't exaggerate the God whom we worship. It's amazing. So be obedient today. Or maybe you're feeling these promptings and you have been for a while and you've been fighting them. Or maybe you've felt these promptings in the past. I want to say this. God is a gracious God. And we can approach him without embarrassment today. And we can put that right. And we can choose obedience to the leading and prompting of the Spirit of God in these days. For we cannot change that which has gone by. But we can walk hand in hand with the Spirit into the future with him. So, serving God, being led by the Spirit. Thirdly, being all in. All in. I absolutely love the phrase all in. It, it, it paints loads of different images in my head. It, pictures, uh, it paints the picture of a football team who are chasing a last-minute equaliser or a last-minute winner, where the defenders go and play up front, and it's all-out attack. The other team are maybe parking the bus. If you're a football fan, this is terminology you'll be very, very well aware of. For those who are watching in America, I'm talking about soccer, which is really football. But this idea of being all-in and giving giving everything you have, taking the risk, taking the risk, And just going all in. We read in verse 24 that Paul is all in. 
He says this. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, this has become a bit of a life verse for me. When I was called into ministry, um, an older pastor shared this verse with me and felt that God was saying to him to share it with me. And this has really become a confirmation of the call of God, which I have received in my life. And I've always wanted to preach on it. And this has presented an opportunity, this series, Church Without Walls, to do just that. But we see here that Paul's life was wrapped up in service to the Lord because of the call that God had placed on his life. Paul was all in. He held nothing back. I want to tell you today this. God is still in the business of not only saving lives, of not only saving people from their sins, but God is still in the business of calling women and calling men into full-time service for him. Oh, but pastor, this doesn't apply to me. Hear me out here. Whilst we all have a call to service to the Lord, and we do, we've looked at that already, not just on a Sunday, but through living lives of holiness and using these gifts and these talents which God has given to us to serve him and to serve his church. There are those who feel the prompting of the Spirit, the call of God to full-time Christian ministry and full-time Christian service. There's so many examples of this throughout Scripture. Paul on the road to Damascus being one of them. But even if we cast our mind back to some Old Testament figures, the young boy Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where he hears the voice of God calling to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes to the priest Eli and he says, were you calling me? Eli says, no, I'll go back to bed. Probably really crab it and grumpy because he'd been woken up and this happened not once not twice but three times to the point where Eli said to Samuel if you hear it again it's God and say these words to him speak Lord for your servant for your servant is listening and sure enough God called the name of Samuel again that night and Samuel responded to the call of service to God in his life. Samuel went on to be a kingmaker, the first recorded prophet in the New Testament, a great man of God with an amazing name. Another example we find through the prophet Isaiah, a famous passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter six, where God says, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And he had a vision. And he felt God saying, Who shall I send? And without hesitation, without question, Isaiah answered the call and said, Here I am, send me. You see, they were prompted by God. They were prompted by God and they answered the call and God is still in the business 
of not only calling people to serve him through their lives as every Christian is expected and commissioned to do, but God is still in the business of calling people to full-time Christian service, full-time Christian ministry. I received that call at the age of 15 on the other side of Belfast, in North Belfast, in our church there at a youth meeting. And I felt very clearly God calling me to serve him. It was undeniable. It was undeniable. And I tried to run from it. I tried to run from it, but here I am. These things always have a way of working out. And God's, uh, God's purposes will always be accomplished. But know this today. If you're watching this morning, if, if God has been, if God is, or if God ever does stir your heart in this way, that you feel he is calling you to something more, I, I'd love to chat to you. Know that this is not something to be embarrassed about, but that this is a great privilege. God is still in the business of calling people to serve him in Christian ministry. If that's you, come and chat. Give me a phone. Give me a text. Love to chat to you. And I feel, I feel in my spirit just now that God is doing just that with someone. Bonhoeffer said this famously that when Christ calls a man or a woman when God calls someone when God calls a man he bids him come and die so are you ready to be all in do you feel that God's prompting you to serve him full time come and chat Lastly, is all around this topic of generosity. In verse 35, in some of his closing words, in fact, these are his closing words to the church in Ephesus. He says, In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, who he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity looks a bit like this. Our resources in the, hand, in the hands of God will go much farther than we could ever ask or imagine. We'll go farther than we could ever, ever envision. Our resources, our time, our money, our efforts, our gifts, our talents, our resources in the hands of God will go much farther than we could ever envision. Our resources are not our own. For the scriptures say that every good and perfect gift comes from God above. It says that in the book of James. Everything that we have, God has given to us already. But pastor, I work 40 hours a week and I work hard to earn my money. Who gave you your job? Who equips you to do your job? Who gives you the breath in your lungs to be able to not only do your job, but to live. Every good and perfect gift comes 
from God above. And in light of this reality that our resources are not our own, what does God require of us as his people? He requires generosity. Micah, verse, uh, Micah 6 and verse 8 says that God requires us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Another passage of scripture says that we are to care for the widows and the orphans. That this is what following Jesus looks like. And if we are to be a church without walls, this church that God is calling us to be, the church without walls is a church in, a, in the community, which is meeting the needs of the community, which is welcoming and including the community, and it's earning the right to speak into the lives of the community. The church without walls is generous and recognises that it is better to give than it is to receive. May we be a church that are generous, not only with our time and our service and our relationships, but that we would also be a church that are generous with our money. We recognise that it's not ours, and we go and we give back. Church, Time has got away from us this morning, but it is my prayer for us as the people of God that we would be a people who serve God, that we are led by the Spirit, that we would be a people who are all in, that say, I have decided to follow Jesus, whether you're called to full-time Christian service or not, and that we would be a church that are generous to our community, meeting them at the point of their need, just as Jesus met us at the point of ours. So church, let's go. Let's be the church that God requires us to be and calls us to be. But the church that God gives us the privilege to be. Let's worship him together now as we close our time together. But don't just run away and get to the dinner. Don't just switch off and pretend like nothing happened. But may you say, as Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. May you say with young boy Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Go in peace. Be blessed. Amen.